Welcome to the Inspire to Invest podcast, where we're sharing stories from real estate investors and how investing has changed their lives. This episode of the Inspire to Invest podcast has been brought to you by Francis Five Properties and Mayneda Media. Welcome to Inspire to Invest. Today, we have an amazing guest with us. We've got Austin James Neal joining us from beautiful BC. And for anyone who is not familiar with him, he is driven with a passion for impact investing and real estate development. He's deeply curious about the world, and he has a desire to actually make a really big difference. With his expertise and experience, he tries to create projects that not only generate profit, but also have a meaningful impact on society and on the environment. So without any further delays, Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Serena. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to be on here. Pleasure to have you. Now, you haven't obviously been in real estate for that long. Uh, What were you doing before you became a real estate investor? Yeah. So prior to real estate investing, I was or still am an aircraft engineer working on helicopters in British Columbia and the Yukon. Um, so that, uh, just involved traveling around fixing helicopters. Um, and I also ran a small plant business selling plants out of my house wow. and shipping them <laughs> across Canada. Wow, yeah. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was fun. It's, uh, it was on Etsy and, uh, it didn't make a ton of money. Sometimes I lost money, but, uh, I just like selling plants and I like growing plants. So it was, okay. uh, it was a lot of fun. Very interesting. So then how did real estate come into your life in this capacity? Well, growing up, uh, we actually, before I was 14, we moved in over 10 houses and um, I was always really curious. I read a lot of books. I was really into personal finance. Um, You know, I'd I'd read over 10 books before getting into the stock market and then COVID hit, stock market crashed. I started buying um, and I quickly realized I I couldn't leverage anything in the stock market and uh, I actually knew real estate pretty well. So I started studying it. Um, and it just kind of transpired from that. Yeah. Nice. So then what was the actual catalyst? Like, was there someone that you spoke to or someone that said like, Hey, you should consider doing this. Like what was kind of that moment where you thought that you could actually turn this into something? Totally. Well, I was buying a house and I put my first 50 grand down on the house. Um, we actually went over our loan uh, or or what we could uh, get pre-approved for. So I had to put extra down. I think it was 40 we needed and uh and i had to put an extra 10 mm-hmm. and uh, i started thinking about it and i said well you know i i just bought the house signed all the papers and uh i was just like we could literally make more money if we don't live here and um you know we bought the perfect house a nice townhouse it's actually in whitehorse yukon um and we set it off with furniture and i said even before we moved in i, I told my girlfriend megan i said we're not going to be here more than six months. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, look at it like this. It doesn't make sense for us to live here because we'll make more money and we'll be able to grow faster. And the catalyst for me getting into real estate was we were we were in Whitehorse, Yukon. I had just bought a house. I put 40 grand down and there was an, an extra 10% or sorry, uh, $10,000 I had to put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a large chunk of money at the time. And I realized that the money was going to grow on this house either way with the appreciation. Um, and if I wasn't paying the mortgage, if I had somebody else paying the mortgage, um, I would be able to live uh, at a, a lower cost somewhere else and and make this property grow for me. So it was really yeah. then uh, in conjunction with a real estate and private equity course that uh, 
that just kind of blossomed into into full on real estate investing. Yeah. So then I guess when did you transition full time? I mean, I think there's a lot of real estate investors that will kind of straddle, you know, their employment and then they're investing just so that they've got some job security and cash flow and stuff like that. So what was your experience in respect to that? Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was kind of both my my job as an aircraft engineer, I, I like to say is predictably unpredictable in that if the mining industry goes down, you know, you can expect your job to, to windle away pretty quickly. Um, and uh, that, that's just meaning the, the work just dries up. Uh, the companies don't have any work. Um, the the real the real estate was going good and um, we were buying more properties and we had bigger projects coming down the pipe. So we have a, a senior center we're working on. And that required a lot of work. And I was also doing renovations mm-hmm. on, a, on a property. So it made sense to work on the renovations to, to build my own wealth rather than build somebody else's wealth. And in doing so and building my own wealth, I was able to make an impact in my community serving organizations that needed housing. So it was yeah. for me, it was a very simple transition. You know, we had we had a bankroll. We we had private funds and um, we set ourselves up for a timeline um and then we were able to hit that timeline and from there we were able to take off right yeah so based on your experience obviously you've got a lot of different things that you've done what would you define as your biggest success and why was that specifically so important to you yes great question serena thank you so much biggest success for me personally would uh would be getting a government organization on board um and signing them as a client for our for my business, um, specifically medical professionals working at hospitals, um, and that's the biggest success for me because it it really goes back to my roots of um, working in a medical background, uh, going way back and and serving um, these these government organizations and hospitals specifically um, are having a really tough time. The the nurses and doctors working at the hospitals are, are the, the few and far between now. Um, they're they're hard to come by, especially in full time staff. Um, so hospitals are actually closing because of these issues, um, and it is actually a chain problem. So they're struggling to find the staff, but they're also struggling to find the housing. So we're now providing the housing. <clears throat> the hospitals closing is is incredibly important to me because. The, the medical staff that work there, um, they need really nice places to live or they need appropriate places to live. And, and we're supporting them by giving these houses or providing housing to them, rental housing to them. Um, and, and that's really important to me. You know, it's, if, if our emergency care staff are uh, understaffed, underhoused and, you know, working their butts off, that's just not a good situation to be in um, yeah. as a community and as a city um so it, it's it's of our biggest interest to to support that and um and what what area do you have those properties in now that's in northwestern bc and we're working to expand that with the organization all across bc okay great yes awesome so that definitely is important because obviously people need access to resources and care um definitely making your impact there but i'm sure it hasn't been all smooth sailing uh so i guess just in terms of some of the lessons that you've learned so far what do you think are a couple of the biggest lessons and knowing what you know now what would you go back and do differently if you had that opportunity for sure for sure yeah biggest lessons oh god i mean there's so many and uh, you know I, i take them all as as blessings really um, and as great opportunities, but 
it, we were trying to close on one of the properties and it, uh, I didn't have the money lined up at the same time. You know, people always ask the chicken or the egg and it, it's really both. Um, you've, you've got to be working both pipelines. You've got to, you've got to have some capital available. You've got to be working that you've got to have like a model of say like, Hey, we're going to, you know, to your investors, we're, we're providing this type of investment. Here's yeah. what we're looking at for interns. And you're also looking for properties, building those relationships with agents, brokers, getting everything sorted at the same time. Yeah. Because when it came to close, we, we had the offer accepted. Everything was going good, but the funds weren't in my account. Um, things were being delayed. So that was, that was really stressful, um, I would say. And that was a really good lesson to just have the money either beforehand, if you can, or be running the pipelines uh, at the same time and yeah. and really have strong relationships there. Yeah. And I think what's hard about that is it's something that's kind of, you know, maybe out of your control to some respect. So I think as much as you can pre-plan will obviously lessen the blow. But with that being said, yeah. let's take a, a really quick break just to hear a word from our sponsors. Introducing Francis Five Properties. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone's doing great. My name is Leo Francis and this is Jacqueline Francis. Together, we are called LG Francis from Francis Five Properties. We are real estate investors, business owners, and entrepreneurs. Some of the real estate investing strategies that we're involved in are multifamily value add. We're involved with replication rentals. And now, we're also doing a small development. So if you'd like to learn more or get involved with any of our projects, please reach out to us. We would love to share what's going on. Our socials are Facebook at LJ Francis, Instagram at Francis Five Properties, LinkedIn at Francis Five Properties, or you can email us at Francis Five Properties at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and helping you scale your business. Take care for now. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for following along with this episode of Inspired to Invest. In addition to real estate, investing, and running my own brand experience agency for 18 years, I also published a book called The Accidental Entrepreneur in October of 2021. This is my story, and it chronicles how I turned tragedy into triumph to embrace my destiny in entrepreneurship. If you're interested in picking up a copy, you can find the link at serenahomesrealtor.com, and you can also find my link tree with all of the retailers in the details below. Thanks again for your support. Hi, I'm Alexandra Sodoro. As a social media strategist, brand builder, and business consultant, I help real estate investors grow their reach and build their brand. In today's digital age, having an online presence is critical for the success in the real estate industry. If you're looking to grow and elevate your brand, visit www.maynatamedia.com to book your free discovery call. Let's work together and take your brand to new heights. And welcome back to the Inspired to Invest podcast. We have Austin James Neal here, and he's talking about how he's using real estate investing to have a positive impact on his community and hopefully the world. Uh, so now we talked a little bit about your successes and your lessons. Now, when it comes to obstacles, what do you think is really the biggest obstacle that you faced so far? And what did you do to kind of push through that? Yeah. Yeah. One was uh, finding really good business partners. Um, and something I, I've, I've now found is, is it is incredibly hard to find really good business partners that suit you and that have the opposite skills that you need to compensate for. Um, 
So it was a lot of studying on what really a good business partner looks like, you know, looking at good dynamics, following other people, you know, going to talk with them, getting each side, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to leave ourselves astray or, you know, run ourselves down the the wrong course by not doing the research, not planning and not really um, figuring that out. So that was one of the biggest obstacles I faced so far. Um, now I now have a really good business partner who runs his own construction business. And again, you know, I'm in real estate and private equity and development. He's a builder, so he knows all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so again, it's really complementary to to what we're doing. Yeah. But it, it, it's huge, you know, not having a business partner and and not having somebody like that on your team. Um, you, you know, you're you're taking on more risk and and a ton of other things. So I would just say, yeah, doing the research putting in the effort to, to make that happen. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that when you go into a partnership with someone, I think you need to expect that there's always a chance that that may not last forever. So it's always good to kind of talk about what the ending could look like and what those expectations are at the outset. And that was a learning that I had with my business that, you know, we, I was issued shares in the company, but we never even had a partnership agreement. So when my Mm. partner decided to exit four years in, you know, it was, we were on good terms, but she had some personal things that happened in her life and she wanted to exit the business. And then we had to go through that process of valuing it, you know, coming in the middle with her expectations and what I could pay for and things like that. So I think that it's always wise to try to, you know, set the tone for what that could look like, just so it makes for an easier transition if something unforeseen happens. And hopefully you'll be on good terms, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that you will be. So I think it's really important to make sure you've got, you know, that stuff laid out from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And having those hard conversations and continuing to have them, you know, like, okay, this isn't working, you know, like we gotta, we gotta change something before it happens or, you know, before it gets worse. And, and also knowing, yeah, like it it could not work out, right. Like, you know, uh, going into it, like hoping for the best and planning everything, but it's, it's still not a guarantee. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I guess when it comes to advice, like I know that you're big on educating yourself in this space the way that I am, what do you think is the best advice that you've been going, that you've been given and how have you kind of put that into a practice? Yeah. So some of the best advice I've been given or I've come across, um, is I, I see, I see a lot of people doing, um, business uh business to like client or business to small business yeah and for me what's what's really uh propelled me forward is is going uh is, is changing the model a bit and going business to business mm-hmm. so selling to businesses corporations governments yeah and and it's it's given me it's a different clientele and it's a different model and it's not always for everybody. You know, if you're really big on clients and serving the public, you Mm -hmm. know, this might not be the model for you, but um, something I found is it's just, it's a huge market and um, I I found the ceiling on it is very large, Um, you know, working for government organizations and, and large corporations, it's uh, it can be really rewarding um, in that you get to, Maybe your serving isn't on, you know, directly um, on the client you're working with, but it's on a broader kind of spectrum. So you don't necessarily get to see everybody you help, but you you're able to have a much bigger impact through that. And that was one of the lessons I learned was just just switch that model, switch the thinking. Who who is the end user that's going to use this product? And you can go from one person to to an organization, to a government, to a country. Um, And and those are just some ideas that you can 
you can play with and and think about and find a problem and solve it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really smart. Now, I guess, what would you say is next for you uh, with your plans? And there was a question that came up recently uh, with a meeting I was part of where the question also came up, what is your freedom number? So if you were to define, you know, your pinnacle, whether that's a certain number of doors or a certain number number in terms of revenue, what would that look for you? Look like for you? Yeah. 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 So first question, what's next for me? Well, we're right now we're working on large commercial developments where it's uh, public, private, and uh, and government. Um, so we're building a 250 unit senior center, um, and it's roughly a 350 million dollar development. Yeah. Uh, we're actually building um, a city park for the city, which we're going to uh, donate back to them, and uh, a conference center. Um, so that's really exciting, and we've got more of those planned along with master plan communities and other yeah. things. Um, a question about the senior center. Um, I yes. know this is different in BC, but here in Ontario, one thing that I was really surprised by when I got my real estate license is that there's actually no uh, rent control with long-term care for seniors facilities. And you would think of all the people in the population, you know, the seniors are vulnerable in the sense that they probably are on fixed incomes. Clearly they're not working anymore. So I was mm -hmm. very surprised to see that that didn't apply to them. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of rent controls for like other other parts of the population of regular tenants. So I'm just curious if that's different in, in BC compared to here in Ontario. I, I don't believe there is rent control for senior centers. Um, like down in North Vancouver and in Vancouver, you can pay up to like 25 grand a month um, for like yeah. a high-end seniors residence. Yeah, it's um, crazy. <laughs> now there is programs to get into a senior center if you are a senior um, with BC housing and things like yeah. that. Um, so if you're you know below um, a certain income, uh, you can apply for this and still get into our senior centers because mm -hmm. it is a private senior center. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's a really big one for us. Uh, my partners in Vancouver, um, they've done 16 of these in the last five years. Um, so I'm now on board with them planning and uh, doing the development side. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really, really exciting. Again, you know, serving a ton of people in this, in this huge market um, is, 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 is something I wake up in early for and go to bed late for all the time just because I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Um, and then your second question. Is your freedom number? Is my freedom number. Yes, yeah. that is such a great question. And to all those you got, to, to you guys out there, um, I, I define it early, 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 early. Um, commit yourself to to doing the work, to, to getting that freedom number. And I'm sure you, you've explained it before what the freedom number is, but I'll just run through it quickly is, is that number that you're, that you can have everything you want. You can have the life you want. Uh, it's also, I've heard it called lifestyle freedom day, which is another great one where yeah. you're free, you're, you're financially set up. And yeah. that number for me right now is 25,000 a month, um, net income to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, now I do split my profits in my business with my business partner. So that's 50,000, um, net to the business. Yeah. Um, and that has me, um, outside a lot, <laughs> uh, having fun and, uh, going to events. And, and I, I honestly think, you know, working more isn't making more. I think yeah. we need to work less and make more because we're able to meet more people. We're able to go out more. Yeah. Um, so that's really my freedom number. And that actually happens, um, December 17th, 2025. Nice. That's when I like that, that you're like, literally place. you pinpointed it. <laughs> that's, that's my 30th birthday. 
and it's, it's not a day past. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I found for me, um, you know, real estate investing wasn't completely on my radar, but when I was trying to buy my first house, the way that I kind of looked at it was like freedom 35. So you always see the commercials like freedom 55. I'm like, well, that's still like a good stretch away. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy your life then obviously, but like, I don't want to be working that hard up until 55. (laughs) So for me, I I define that as I wanted to be mortgage free by the time I was 35. And I, I pretty much missed it by like four months. <laughs> just That's great. I, had the, I actually had the money, but I yeah. was waiting. It was in US dollars and I had sold my first rental property in the States. And when we sold it, the dollar was let's say like a dollar 37 to one. And two weeks later when we closed, it dropped to like a dollar 24. And I was like, Oh no, well, I'm going to lose like $25,000 if I exchange this now. So I just kept it in the bank account for like nine months or something like that, waiting for it to to swing the other way. So I think we exchanged around a dollar thirty-one or thirty-two. And then I pretty much paid off my mortgage at the beginning of 2018, January 2018. So it's just amazing. Technically, I guess I could say, but like when it was done, done. And then it was kind of like once you're there, it's like, okay, well what what next? Like you still need money to live and everything, right? Yeah. That was really like that was my that was my big freedom number. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And um yeah, I, I think people people get mixed up in thinking that's all working. You know, a lot of that, a lot of setting that is thinking, you know, so you're not just thinking about it once. You're thinking about it constantly, day after day. You're building it. You're it's it's a balloon that continues to grow. Of course. Um, and not so much in the essence of a balloon, because people think balloons are fragile and they can pop. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and obviously yeah, what that looks like at one point in time is one thing. And now it's more like, you know, I have enough money to live off of, but how can I start creating that? generational wealth to take care of my daughter down the road and maybe the children that she may have down the road. And, you know, obviously it's going to evolve throughout your journey, but I think that's the beauty of investing that you can think forward. It's not just like you get that paycheck every two weeks and it could always be gone in a moment's notice. So I think that's the most important thing to consider when you start investing in yourself and you start investing in your future. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. The, the, the best investment I've made is, is always in myself and, you know, whether I, I put that money on a credit card and, you know, bought a course or, you know, went to a seminar or did whatever, but yeah. it's always paid tremendous returns. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, now, if you could go back to the beginning, when you first started investing, is there any, anything that you would tell your former self based on the things that you know now? Uh, that's a really good question. Tell my former self. Um, I would say have more fun. You know, there like there was a lot of I, I battle with this all the time, and it's like, well, should I just be working, you know, all day and and um and not being have any fun? You know, like they like the hustle mentality yeah. and everything. And you know, I'm on board with that um to the most extent. But I mean, you get two lives, and uh, the first one is when you realize you only have one life, and 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 then you get to live that one life. Um, and yeah, and the second one's when you realize you only have one. Um, so I, now I'm time blocking. I, I wasn't doing that before. So time blocking is is absolutely incredible for those of you guys who don't know. Um, you'll get a lot more done in less time and you'll be able to slot that free time for whatever you like to do, yeah. um, whatever you do in your free time. Um, so I would say time blocking and and just really enjoying the journey because there was yeah. there was times I actually got sick from overworking um, and stressing too much. So I yeah. would just say, yeah, time block and and really enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's important. I remember I was taking a 
a mentorship exchange back in 2014. And I remember we were all kind of sitting around all of us mentees and stuff like that. And we're all talking about like what we were excited about and happy with. And I was like, I'll literally be taking the most holidays I'd ever taken, which at that time was a month. And yeah. the challenge when you're a business owner, an investor, whatever it may be, is that you know, getting away from your business can be really tough. And for us, you know, I don't, I would take a week, one year, nothing the next year, maybe two weeks, but like it was all over the place. And a big challenge was just, was honestly payroll at that time. I was like, well, who's going to sign the paychecks? Like yeah. I didn't have it set up at that point in time. But when we hired a, a bookkeeper to go direct deposit, I could literally just hit a button and transfer the money. So it didn't matter where I was. So that literally was so freeing. And it didn't mean that I didn't like, I would feel like I was always accessible on holidays and stuff like that. But that was, you know, my little milestone that I, I kind of felt like I was, you know, starting to to move forward and, and starting to achieve a certain level that I wanted to see in my business. Yeah. Yeah. That freedom is is, is really everything. Once once that button comes around. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge. So in terms of quotes, I always find them super motivating and inspiring for me. Uh, what What's one of your favorites? Yeah. So my favorite quote is by Albert Einstein. And uh, I absolutely love it just because it, uh, I feel like it describes me so well. Uh, people always say, you know, like Austin, you do so much and, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's so much around you and there's so much going on, like, like why and, and what for. And uh, when I saw this, it, it just, it totally clicked um, because it's me. And he says, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. And uh, I, I think it couldn't be more true. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So for anyone that is out there that wants to get in touch and to learn more about what you're doing or maybe get involved, how can they find you? Yeah, great question. You can find me on Facebook at Austin James Neal. Um, you can email me at info at EliasRangeCapital.ca. And um, yeah, you can find me on Squamish BC. Great, awesome. So we'll include that in the details below. And for anyone out there that has enjoyed what they've seen, make sure that you subscribe to this YouTube channel. And you can also follow along at Inspire to Invest podcast. So thanks again for tuning in. And of course, Austin, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Serena. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again to our sponsors, Francis Five Properties and Maynada Media for bringing you this episode of Inspire to Invest. The views represented on this podcast are for general information only and does not constitute investment or other professional advice or an offering of securities. The host and guests featured on Inspired to Invest make no representations as to the performance of any particular investment. Should you decide to make an investment, you are responsible for conducting your own review and analysis. It is recommended that you obtain independent legal accounting and tax advice from licensed professionals.